Hello and welcome to episode one of the PS Football Podcast. This week we talk transfers, pre-season, and with just 16 days until the start of the new Premier League season, we take a guess at what might happen. My name's Sam Steen and I'm joined in studio by Peter Henry and on the phone we've got Scott Bowman and Carl Gwilliam. Let's get on with the show. Right, uh, sudden end to the music, but let's just get on with it. So uh, I think we should probably start off with uh, transfers because that's what everybody's talking about at the moment. And uh, some of the big deals that have gone through so far were Lukaku uh, to Manchester United and Morata to Chelsea, although it looked like it was going to be going the other way uh, to begin with. What do you think happened there, Peter? Um, I, th- I don't know if it was a bit of cat and mouse, but um, United kind of came out of nowhere for Lukaku, really, didn't they? It, w- it seemed like they were putting all their eggs into the Murata basket, and it was just a done deal that, that uh, Lukaku would go back to, to Chelsea. Um, and then it just happened really quickly with, um, with United um, getting Lukaku. Obviously, a lot got to do with Mino Raiola, I'd say who seems to be like United's new director of football these days. Every player that goes there is one of his, his players. Like, um, Do you think, uh, lads, do you think maybe it was something to do with uh, David Ayer? Do you think that that had any kind of bearing on Real not wanting to do business with, uh, with United? I would say it will go beyond that because it's the two biggest clubs in the world. I mean, dealing with May United and selling Elinor players to May United could have some sort of consequences going back it's that power struggle not only domestically in their own leagues or Europe but a worldwide implication if you sell any of your players to them it only plays into Man United's hands and uh, it goes all to that so if uh, if they could avoid that situation at any point they would have do you think that United are, are are back in that kind of power position already absolutely I don't think they're ever out of it no matter how badly they're doing or or uh uh, they're getting hammering to the press or just the general public don't support Man United, don't like them. Um, I always think, unfortunately, they're the biggest club in the world. <laughs> yeah, c- commercially, they're, they're, just definitely, they're still up there with Real and stuff. But it's funny, though, because they, it seemed that they were quoting United £75 million for Morada, but then they sold them to Chelsea for £60 million. So there must have been some kind of bitterness there as well. Like, there, Yeah, there has to be something to do with Mourinho and, uh, and just all trying to basically Real and Chelsea possibly trying to do him one yeah I don't imagine that as doesn't have any bearing they don't like Mourinho um, he's become uh, I know he seems like a bit of a Grinch as well so I mean uh, Madrid don't need to do business whether the Mourinho factors there or not Madrid can can pick and choose who they buy and sell players off pretty much as and when they like so um it's a bonus for them just to be able to piss off Mourinho a little bit more, and uh, I'll take great pleasure in that as well. Well, now you probably get a feeling. You probably get a feeling as well. There's still a bit of bad blood from the De Gea deal before, wasn't there? Where it looked like transfer January transfer day he was going, and then there was the blow up about a fax came in later than it should have done, or something like that. So, yeah, there seems to be a bit of bad blood there between them I think well at the end of the day United have spent basically as much as they were quoted for a striker anyway um, and they've gotten Lukaku who do you think between United and Chelsea who's got the better deal there I would have to say I I would favour Lukaku at the moment at United I mean Morata is a great player but again it's that unknown quantity isn't it in the Premier League if you look at Lukaku's age and the goals he's scored so far in the teams he's played for I know we, you know, there's a strong people feel like you know flat track bully who can only do it against the small sides, but 
any striker who's banging in 20, 20 plus goals a season everywhere he seems to go can't be a bad player. And what do you reckon, Peter? You're, you're a United fan. Yeah, I, I, for, as a United fan, anyway, I definitely would have. Put, I think Morata's a good player, and he may eventually go on to be a better player, or maybe a better all-round player. But if you want a player to hit the ground running and score you 20 goals next season, your money would be on Lukaku, who no matter who you support, because he's already done it in the Premier League. Morata, yeah, I think the most like he he play, scored 15 goals in 60 games for Juve. He wasn't really a regular there. wasn't a regular at Real Madrid. I know he scored a hatful of goals last year, but he was playing teams that Real were pumping six, seven nil. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of question marks. Oh, more question marks hanging over Morata being able to go into a club like that and be the main man. I'd say whereas Lukaku, like he doesn't even have to move house anything. It's all just. He's playing with his best mate, I think. Lukaku will get you 20, 25 goals. I'm not saying he's the best all-round player in the world, but I think he's Premier League proven, and, and for me, that's what United need, because they, they need to get back into that title race next season. They can't be fucking around going for the, the Europa League again, you know? So I was just going to say, it's a statement of intent from uh, May United. It's obvious that they're going out for goals next season and they've got a powerhouse up front who's going to deliver them. And as Peter just said, the fact is Murat has never been a number one at any of the clubs he plays for. So whereas Lukaku is the main man. And if you're the main man, you're expected to score goals. He's settled. He can hit the ground running. He knows the league like the back of his hand. So it's just going to be a case of come that game against West Ham, his favourite club to score against, he's going to absolutely destroy us. <laughs> <laughs> That's how so. Can't wait. What date is it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't want to know. I'm not going. I'm purposely not going. <laughs> well, we'll get on to West Ham in a little bit because it seems like they might actually finally have signed a decent striker. But uh, speaking of, you know, a lot of money has been spent on those two guys, but it kind of pales in comparison somehow to two deals that may be happening over the next 24 hours, it seems. Uh, Neymar and this £197 million deal to uh, PSG, I mean, it's kind of eye-watering, really. And what does this mean for the market, and do you think it'll actually go through? Football's fucked. Yeah. Um, ridiculous amounts of money for... Uh, he's a great player, you know he's a great player, but when you're quoting silly money like that I know we've got silly money already when you're looking at what I think Bale is he still the most expensive player that's ever transferred no, from one Pogba, yeah, Pogba, Pogba, Pogba. Pogba. You know, you're talking Dublin the transfer record because that was 89 million you know what I mean but it went Bale what a load of old cobblers I mean hundred, uh, nearly 200 million for uh, flesh and blood but if he does go I have to say and this is probably wrong but I hope he uh, breaks a cruciate leg on the side he has pre-season friendly against someone just to really stick it to him for willing to spend that stupid amounts of money is absolutely ridiculous so I hope the transfer doesn't go through personally it's the market all the time now isn't it I mean if you look today you've got Everton potentially might pay something like 40-45 million for Sigurdsson and um, you know he's a he's a Good player, there's no, but he's not a fifty million pound player. But but what it, what even is a fifty million pound player? And like, it, the numbers don't seem to mean anything anymore, up to a point. But then when you get to numbers like one hundred ninety-seven, and apparently Mbappe is going to happen, uh, that's Monaco to Real for about one hundred sixty-one million. Those numbers are just when you, when you're doubling the transfer record. When that's it's monopoly money, isn't yeah. it? It's like it's like a game of monopoly going on. It's like well, we'll just bid anything now because we've got it. Where's financial fair play coming in here? Nah, that's yeah. a joke. Is this yeah. a yeah. thing anymore? Or? No. Nah, it's a joke. It's set up for the big clubs to, to you know, it was just all even going to widen the gap, that financial fair play, because it was all about your revenue. So, of course, United and the other clubs are just going to be able to spend more. But, you know, you say about the £197 million, I agree, it's, ma- it's madness, right? 
But when you think about it, that's, not, that's only four Kyle Walkers. So, like, <laughs> no, no, but really, like, like, you think about it, like, games, uh, like, goals win games. Like, a, a right back, and they've, they've, the other left back they've signed now, Mendy, is 52 yeah, million or something. Million, yeah. It's even more. Yeah, it's, so, like, is, is, is Lukaku worth four? Tunnel. Sorry, is, is, is Neymar worth four times as much as Kyle Walker? Yes, he is, like, but, you know, yeah. so it's... So, yeah, the other thing is um, La Liga versus League One. Is there a comparison of leagues? He's going to be able to walk no. the league most of the time. Most of the opposition he's playing are below par. Um, it's just no competition for him there. And and it, uh, the problem is when you monopolise leagues like that, become boring. Uh, PSG have monopolised that league, I suppose, for the last couple of years. You had the early uh, 2000 dominance of Leon, and uh, th- th- there was competition there. Now there's a lack of competition because it is the, the, the big club with loads of money to throw around. And when you're talking about spending 200 million on a player, it just just goes, look, I'll walk up to uh, Paris Dan-Juan, just go, here's the trophy, uh, you've won the league, the rest of yeah. it. So but they're, they're, not, they're not competing for Ligue 1 anymore. All they want is the Champions League. But Monaco won it last year though, lads. But having said that, they're just going to get all their play. They're going to get raped and pillaged now. They'll have none of that yeah. team left by the time the league comes around this no. year. So. All, all they care about this season is swimming in a big pool of money like Scrooge McDuck style, you know? I suppose the trouble is, though, some of these teams now, we think it's a lot of money, don't we? You know, you're sitting there going, this is ridiculous money. But those clubs will actually tell you probably that financially, those players earn back that money. Yeah. yeah. Instantly, almost, because the view is shirt sales now go through the roof. Merchandise goes through the roof. And if Neymar wins PSG, the Champions League now, then the money they'll get for that. So they'll tell you, it sounds a lot, but this guy could make us triple that money going forward. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but those clubs, it must be, there must be an incentive for those clubs. He's definitely the most marketable player in the world. There's no doubt about that. Um, well, like Brazil, 200 million people. He's the poster boy of it. He's really big in America now as well. You will, I'd say they'll make 50 million in a few weeks off shirts probably. But for me, my personal opinion on the whole minute Neymar thing is that he should leave Barcelona because I think he deserves a crack at the Ballon d'Or. Um, like when you see him play for Brazil when he's the main man, he, he's phenomenal. He, he scored like, I don't know, 55 goals and 80 appearances as he's 25, 26 but I don't think going to PSG is the right move for him. So, like Sam said, all he has the chance to... The only way he gets the Ballon d'Or is if he wins the Champions League or he wins the World Cup next year with Brazil. But he's not going to get it for, you know, I don't know what the equivalent of a wet and windy night is in, in Ligue 1, like a, an overcast evening in Montpellier or something, you know what I mean? But, like, I, you know, it's, like, it's going to be... It's farcical him going out to little farming towns in, in France playing every week, like, so... But yeah. those leagues are just fancy Scottish leagues, aren't they? Both <laughs> the league are in. So is the league. I mean, they are just fancier Scottish Premier Leagues, aren't they? Where it's like, well, you've got two teams, maybe you're going to do it, and the rest of them are just... You watch, you turn over to those games on Sky, and after 10 minutes, Barcelona are already four up, and you go, oh, right, OK, one of those games, is it? So what happens, yeah. what happens when he makes the move then? Uh, he makes the move, it's £197 million that goes into uh, Barcelona's pockets and they don't have to pay his wages anymore and that is going to help them in a big way. So how are they, what, who do they go out and buy then to fill that Neymar-shaped hole? Mark Noble. My worry is... So, so <laughs> Mark Noble. <laughs> Barcelona, they'll go all out for Coutinho, I think, won't they? Coutinho yeah. or Ericsson. There was a strong rumour of Ericsson last year towards the end of the season... And the rumours with Coutinho are always there. 
And, and I think they'll go big on Coutinho. Yeah, I they think really will. Coutinho has kind of proved over the last couple of years that he is. I think he got injured after about ten games last season, but I thought he looked like he was going to be player of the season. And uh, he got his injury. Didn't really. They rushed him back. Didn't get going to the end of the season. But I think he really. You know, I think he, he he's at the stage now. He deserves to go to a big club where he des- You know, he has a real chance of winning trophies, not Liverpool. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's a good way to get the podcast off to a flyer when the <laughs> Liverpool fans <laughs> you talking like that. But yeah, I, 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 listen, it, it's not going to happen anytime soon from a Liverpool as far as winning the league just yet. May night, a splash in big money. Chelsea are probably for me at least. I know we're going to get into that in a minute. Are still the favourites to win the the league. At Man City spending big you expect big things out of them and then you've got the rest of the clubs on the periphery I don't think uh, you're going to see Arsenal or Spurs challenging for the league next season but there's still big clubs and they're really going to push Liverpool um, right to the very end of the season be it for a Champions League place or um, Europa League football I just don't see them being in the position at any point to um, for, for Coutinho to win anything there or anything of significance like the Premier League or the Champions League Speaking of uh, teams pushing for the uh, the uh, Premier League title, we've got Arsenal, of course, and there's plenty of rumours going around about Sanchez and him going to PSG. I would imagine if the Neymar deal goes through, then that deal will probably be off and then he'll stick around. So, Scott, do you reckon that, well, that Arsenal might be in a pretty decent position this season with that, with uh, Lacazette going there as well? I think they're, they've got a great squad. I think they're really good. And if Lacazette can hit the ground running, they're going to be in a fantastic position. But it's all key whether they can keep players um, like Sanchez on the books um, and whether Ozu actually turns up and, and becomes the player he once was or perceived to be. And they sort out the defence because that's one of the areas I think they really lack. They've got Koscielny who's a good centre-half. but um, and, and Bellerin, I think, is a, a good full-back. But by and large, I mean, Mertesacker... Uh, you've got to turn a pace, you can walk past him. Um, you've, you've got, um, you, you just haven't got quality all over the, the pitch like um, like Chelsea have. Man City, you've got basically two first 11s if they want them. And, and there's the difference between those who are going to challenge for the title and those who can't because it'll come down to depth of the squad and good players all over the pitch. And I just don't think Arsenal have that. Aaron Ramsey, anyone, come on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we spoke briefly about Liverpool there a few minutes ago. There's the, the Cater deal that didn't go through and continues not to go through. But then there was, a, I don't know if you heard about this training ground incident during the week where he's basically, uh, well, Peter, I know you wrote a piece about this. Yeah, classic, absolute classic. The new way to force a move, just take out one of your teammates the next day in training. Like, uh, yeah, so the tra- training was cancelled because he's basically just two-footed one of his teammates. Um, so who knows maybe that's going to force that move but Liverpool haven't done any business in it well they did they got Salah in they got Salah and they got got Robertson and they got Robertson in they just haven't maybe got that kind of that big sign and everyone's kind of expecting um, do you think maybe just Klopp having the team all together this summer and been able to actually train them without tournaments and stuff I think the way he plays his teams as well that like real high intensity you saw it last year they um when they had that period of games in, in January, I think Gary Neville called it in, in December or something. He, he said, like, they've only played one game a week the whole time. And then I, they had a, a lot of cup ties, etc. in ja- that January period. Remember, they didn't win a game in January. I think they bet some non-league side in the cup or a, or a uh, League Two team. But they really seem to genuinely tire. And he doesn't, outside of the start in 11, he doesn't really seem to have anything else. Mm. So they needed to probably make a big sign and, and then three or four you know, good squad players as well. Like playing James Miller left back's not going to get you too far eventually. 
Well, I've looked up this guy. This boy Keita looks a bit special now. Really? Yeah. Um, he looks. He, he has everything. He, he's been kind of a Kante, but can also shoot, shoot, and and, and link up uh, attacks. He looks good, but I don't know. if Just putting all their eggs into that basket is is the smartest thing because they it could you know the tri- summer transfer window gets away from you pretty quickly. So, mm-hmm. Car- Carl Scott, uh, what are Liverpool missing? I, I mean, surely another keeper. I think yeah. I mean, Liverpool kind of remind me a little bit of Spurs but like they're a couple of seasons behind us in a sense where we've got now this solid first 11 Liverpool have probably got a solid 8 and as you say they're really missing probably a solid keeper that gives the defence some confidence as you say the left back Milner great player versatile but you can't get away with you know, he's not going to be a title winning fullback for you you know trying to just fill in there and in the centre half, she got two inconsistent, you know, Lovren. You know, there's a mistake coming there at some point, like a horror show mistake, you know, where he'll, he'll back pass it in or you know put his team bang in trouble. Going forward, they'll be they'll be fine with the attack they've got going, but defensively they just are not strong enough to hold off teams over the course of a season with a limited squad that they've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I just completely agree with that. In fact, um, again, for me, a team similar to Arsenal, they just haven't got quality all over the place, and they haven't got enough quality to see them for a season for them to challenge for anything significant. So, the big problem for me and, and Liverpool is um, unless they sign um, a couple of good players to fill those positions, particularly the goalkeeper, they can have a uh, they can have a, a season finishing outside the top four. Um, their aim will, for me will be the Champions League, but. They really, really need to strengthen because they're just not convincing enough for me. Yeah, actually, I think they could be one of the teams to drop out of even maybe the top six with Everton coming in because they've done, well, they've done fantastic business this summer. Uh, Peter, I know you were talking a lot about this, maybe just off air as well, about the players that they brought in and they look to be continuing to look to bring in players. Yeah, I think that, I, well, as a United fan, I haven't watched them, I think Rooney was a, is a sentimental mistake, to be honest with you. His legs are gone. He's not the same player. He does, even the media circus he will bring with him every time he's not in the team, it's just not worth it, in my opinion. Sigurdsson, I think, would be a cracking sign, and even if they do have to kind of pay a bit of a premium because of the way the market is, but I think he, he's, he's, a, he's probably the best player outside of the top six or, or, or thereabouts. I still think they'll, I think they've done well, like they've done well, and they have a solid enough team there. They were the best of the rest, clearly, last season. They finished... I don't know, what was it, 12 points above yeah. 8 or something like that. But I don't think they'll break the top four, even with the money there. The top they're six? Top six, possibly, yeah. But yeah. I don't think they're there to be challenging for the Champions League yet. They make good signings. Keane's a good signing. Burnley are in trouble without him, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Sandro guy looks good, the young Spanish fella. Um, I think they'll do well, but I don't know if it's enough to... There's going to be a couple of big teams missing out on the on the Absolutely. on the top four. Like it's probably the most competitive it's ever been. I'd say at this stage. Like, Carl, let's go to Spurs then because they haven't done any business in the market, but maybe their best bit of business has been keeping hold so far of players like Kane and Deli Ali. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we uh, as I've said to you guys before, I really feel this is make or break season for Spurs, and you know we know we're lucky to keep those players because. Madrid, Barcelona's, they'll sniff around, even United's and cities. And this year's, if, if Spurs don't potentially win a title and, or finish outside of the top four, then I, I think you won't see those players hanging around too much. You know, a lot of talk of new stadium and see it into the new stadium. But 
players are not going to wait around for that that type of you know deal. You know, they're not supporters. They're not sitting there going, "Oh, we got this shiny new stadium coming." This is make or break now for Spurs. You know, these players know they'll get to double their wages elsewhere they go. But it's really disappointing at the moment as a Spurs fan because what we was all sold on the we need Champions League and then we need to consolidate Champions League, you know, get back in it a second year in a row. And to me, what's happening now is the same as what happened four or five seasons ago. You know, we got Champions League. We didn't invest. We didn't bring in quality. And again, it looks like we could potentially pay for that again right now because, to say, if we miss out or don't win something, these players won't sit around too long. You know, there's already talk of Dyer wants to go to Man United. I wouldn't think he's the only one now starting to think, mm, if this club are just going to be a selling club and never really bring some real quality in to help push us over the line, then why am I wasting my... I almost kind of feel like I'll be wasting my time here. And players won't... They don't want to hang about like that anymore. It's a weird situation for Spurs fans because you'd have the excitement of the last two seasons and it really seems like you're building on something and going somewhere. And now all of a sudden, while you're moving to Wembley, and we know how Spurs play at Wembley. <laughs> Shit, basically. And then you could, you could, as you say, potentially, if you don't win a title this season, lose all of your players and actually end up going backwards. Um, surely it doesn't yeah. help as well when you are looking at uh, well some of the players you're looking at bringing in Ross Barkley possibly from Everton for a shed load of money and uh, that doesn't seem to me like any kind of step forward if anything he's like a kind of a maybe a squad player maybe for Spurs yeah I mean that's the thing isn't it you've got someone like Barkley who I think that'll be the player they sign eventually from Everton for around the 35 mil mark and okay I suppose the way we have to look at it is He's a step up on the bench, potentially, from what we've got. But again, is he going to challenge Ericsson, Ali, players like that regularly? Is he consistent enough to push those players? Probably, on the evidence so far of his career, probably not. And this is the problem. It's like, we seem to be stuck in this loop of, after that, it's like, well, that's bringing another 19-year-old Argentinian defender, possibly. But we'll make a meal of signing him and drag it on for four or five months. This is the, It's a continual problem with the club. They want to try to do it by bringing in youngsters who are unproven or players from other leagues like the Mellers, players like that. And they seem to, you know, it's like you need proven quality to push this on. You've got a limited window. And if you don't take advantage of this window now, you go back three, four, again, five, six seasons where you're finishing sixth and seventh. And the new stadium becomes irrelevant. Because top players ain't coming to you when you're seventh, sixth, or seventh, and you know this could, you know, this new stadium possibly has come at a really bad time for Spurs in their development now. Because if this is holding us back, then we've, you know, one one step, two steps forward, four or five back eventually, you know, and that seems a continual roundabout with Spurs. We just look like we're getting somewhere, but then we won't push it over that line by bringing in proven quality players and then we drop back again and okay. then we have to do it all again Carl you sound like a, a man who's been through the mail with Spurs a few times um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no I just, just yeah just like two two things quickly I, I, I'll just say on Spurs like Daniel Levy first of all reminds me of my missus because he seems like the kind of bloke who walks up and down the high street trying on every fucking dress and then eventually at five to six when the shops are about to close he'll rush in and buy something 
And she's bald as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like him like that. Tonight, I was on it. The other thing, I, I, see, I think it's a tricky one for Spurs, Carl, because with your, the start in 11, right, okay, Walker's gone, right, but he's not irreplaceable, I don't think. Trippier's there, probably doesn't have the pace down the wing that Walker has, but in terms of delivery, crossing-wise, he's, a, he's, a, he's much better. Um, yeah. Kane might be actually happier to have the ball coming in off him, for example. But I think yeah. that... that that start in 11 as Spurs is so strong that yeah. Yeah. The, what really what they're trying to buy is bench players that, that can make an impact and they seem, to yeah. be the, they seem to be the hardest type of players to buy because no really established player wants to join a club to be a bench player so you're kind of looking at these like uh, you know these last the two um, French guys they signed Nkudu and NG yeah, yeah, that's yeah, kind of the profile they're looking for but for one of them to one or two of them to take off and, and when it doesn't work it doesn't look great but it, yeah. it's not easy to put money into that team because there's no gaping holes in it really is there like United just say no. they need a striker other clubs you can see where they need to strengthen but with yeah. Spurs it, it's, it's tricky like I don't think yeah I don't think they're trying to sign really starting 11 players I wouldn't sign no, you, for that kind of money yeah. anyway you're bang on the money as you say I, I mean for me personally now if we go in 11 v 11 I'll put us in the top you know we'll challenge anyone 11 v 11 we've probably got one of the best 11s in the premier league all round there's no doubt about that no arguments for that it, it's, it's proven now the last two seasons the problem is you can't you at some point you have to say although we've got a great first 11 why can't we have a striker who's going to maybe challenge kane so that should kane maybe have a dry spell for two or three weeks we need someone who can step in and go, well, if you're not doing it, then this guy will get his chance. And if he starts doing it, you'll miss out. Um, for, they need to sign a couple of those players, at least, from the, that you can bring on from the bench and go, right, we've got another option here. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a worrying stage when your first 11 know they're safe. Imagine United having that you know Fergie would never have had it where Beckham and Keane know well I'm safe it don't matter what how I play I'm safe the Defoe I would have loved to have seen Defoe back for a year or so or as well you know West Ham got a great player there who could have done a great job for us you know those were the sort of players now that we we should have signed that as you say Defoe might have been happy playing that role with Keane, um, Kane you know I'll, I'll fill in for him I'll come off the bench but, yeah, we just don't seem to want to even try and get those players at the moment. Well, we'll speak to Scott then about West Ham and, the, and that signing that they made because uh, it's been a long time since you've had a striker who actually scores goals on a regular basis, Scott. You must be pretty pleased. Well pleased with a window in general. Um, it's nice to have a striker who shows probably a bit more professionalism than uh, some other strikers at the club at the moment who, who might not show so much professionalism. Um, it's, re- it's been really, really good. To, and the feeling around the club and the supporters at the moment is fantastic. After the disaster that was last year from, from start to finish, to actually look forward to a season rather than think, are we going to be battling relegation? Are we going to be relegated? Are we going to go into a, a season with no fit strikers? Um, it's a different world. And it's nice to have a player like uh, uh, Javier Hernandez coming in, who we know who knows the Premier League, who we know we know we know he knows how to score goals in the Premier League, and he's even been talked up by um, Jose Mourinho recently about his ability that if he gets a sniff of a ball, he's going to put it in the back of the net. I'm not expecting anything 
other than a top 10 finish as far as West Ham are concerned. And if we can keep him fully fit for the season, 10 to 15 goals from him will make a world of difference on what we got last year. So um, by and large, looking forward to, for, to the season for a change. Well, I think all United fans were actually gutted to see him go because yeah. he was just a fa- he was He was, you know, Solskjaer Mark II, basically. You know, he's a guy who, like you say, very professional, willing to come off the bench and do what he had to do for the team and always scored goals whenever he played and has done wherever he's gone. So that's a fantastic bit of business. Um, I guess West Ham are almost like a, sort of a mirror image a bit of, of Spurs because, well, you've just had to move to the new stadium and actually it's good to talk to somebody who's experienced that. What was it like and how has the move been? I can imagine Carl on, on I don't know if he's on mute, laughing at the other end of this because... <laughs> Oh, I hate it. I just want to know if you've gone to Toys R Us to get your bubble machine. <laughs> uh, it's better than having a cheese, uh, cheese room for 17 grand a year for a season ticket. It, it was horrible, the first season. Um, apart from two games that stood out, it was Chelsea in the League Cup and it was Spurs at home, you know, when we basically helped him choke another league title at our place. <laughs> They've got a tendency to do that. But, no, it was, it was awful. It was horrible. Um, lack of atmosphere. Obviously, there was well-reported incidents between supporters uh, and uh, poor stewarding and just an ill feeling. And even though we've had a really, really good window, David Sullivan, David Golden, Karen Brady are not really trusted as custodians of the club. Um, We all feel that we'll make a couple of strides forward, just like Tottenham, and we'll be pegged back two or three at the same time the following season. And the one thing that West Ham have always had is a lack of continuity going forward and a lack of ambition as we try to build the club moving forward and a hell of a lot of bad luck. So um, we've had a really, really good window. Um, with that, I'm probably reckon we're bottom three next year. <laughs> <laughs> because it's I the West Ham way. It is the West Ham way. Yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah, obviously, there's not so many West Ham fans in Ireland, to be honest with you. So you would, I wouldn't be chatting to them too often. But you said they had a good window. But last year, for example, it was a bit of a joke. Like your man, David, is a David Gold's son on Twitter. They were talking oh, as if, they were talking <laughs> as if they were like they were they were PSG or something basically, and in the end they ended up with Jonathan Cagliari or something on loan with a day to go or something, and he was pants like so. Oh, yeah. was he? Zaza was. was oh, Zaza, Zaza as well. God, yeah, Jesus. Simone Zaza, and you'll know as a Man United fan, he had one of the best misses of all time, where he was square on the goal and managed to knock it out for a throw in. How you do that? <laughs> I don't know, but. That, that's a typical West Ham signing. And um, as for the Spivs in charge and their and their their offspring, it is like the Sopranos running the football club. It's a crime syndicate where they all sit down behind the scenes and they get their they get their the children to do the the work online to get all build all the West Ham supporters hopes up and then just as you think something's going to happen, it's going to go really well. Someone knocks it down, you're brought back down to earth, and you're going. Yeah, this is going to be a struggle again. Having said that, in years to come, you know, the deal that they've done in that stadium could serve you well. Uh, it will serve David Sullivan, David Golden, Karen Brady's pockets well. When they sell uh, the club on, yeah. When they sell the club on, as far as uh, an atmosphere and being a good place to watch football, certain games only. And I'll, I'll be lying if I say Upton Park was rocking every week because that would be a lie. But it had something about it, had characteristics. It was definitely somewhere where people enjoyed playing football. Um uh, the Olympic Stadium. Uh, I've I've never watched football at Olympic Stadium other than um, Hertha Berlin, and uh, it just it just doesn't seem fit for football at times. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I'm in the upper tier, which is bad enough, and I've been to say Newcastle away a couple of times when you're watching ants run around, and it ain't far from that. I mean, you must be miles the, away because it's low. You know, it's banked low, isn't it? 
We'll put you this got right binoculars, there. didn't you, Scott? Were your no, I did. I, I didn't. Yeah, I did. No, 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 no. I, did, I didn't get binoculars, <laughs> but the, the chap I sit next to every game, he does take binoculars. Oh, um, God. I'm not quite sure why, because there's two <laughs> massive screens there. But I mean, there's bad eyes and it's just ridiculous. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's it will definitely improve next year, hundred percent. But for the first season, it couldn't have gone any worse than it was, and it doesn't feel. I mean, the, the other thing is, I don't know if you guys have been to Upton Park uh, when it was around, but that familiar smell of piss as you walk down the street. <laughs> Um, the dodgy curries, the burgers, the bloke would have twitched and stand outside the stadium. Um, the, uh, the the ticket touts trying to sell your tickets to a game against Norwich City for 500 nicker. It's just not the same. No pie and mash. Um, no decent boozers. It's just, it, it's a different world. We'll get used to it. And uh, I'm going to embrace the new West Ham United. I'm going to wear tight jeans um, on an <laughs> body. I'm going to start wearing a cap and glasses with no lenses inside them. I'm going to fit in with the new West Ham United. I'm going to try and embrace the future. Good for you, Scott. Right. Uh, now let's move on to some of the promoted sides. So we've got Brighton and Hove Albion, Huddersfield Town and Newcastle United. Always exciting to get some new teams in the Premier League and I guess to have a big side like Newcastle back in. Uh, but how are they going to do? Peter? Yeah, well, I think Newcastle will be okay. Rafael Benitez, they pr- were, like they pretty much had a Premier League squad and were paying Premier League wages in the Championship last year. Rafa will have enough. Um, whether they they'll probably be, I'd say, in the bottom half, but I'd say he'll have enough about him to, to keep a team in the Premier League. Brighton, Chris Uton. I love his Irish accent, don't get me wrong. But, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a kind of, yeah, a bit like... Irish football in general he's he seems to, he's a bit of a he's a hard worker likes his teams to work hard be organised they'll be there or thereabouts relegation I, I would say signed Izzy Brown today which doesn't seem like a bad sign and uh, that young flip from Chelsea on loan um, but they'll struggle and uh, I'm going to go all Jamie Redknapp on Huddersfield don't know who they are mate <laughs> don't, know, don't, like, don't even know anything about them don't have a clue they have a German manager apart from that don't have a clue uh, lads have you got anything to add Uh, I think you're spot on there. I think Newcastle's saviour will be Rafa. I think the the experience and that that he's going to have, tactically, he'll get them enough points, I think. Uh, Funny enough, this year, I think Huddersfield could cause a few surprises, I think. They, 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 I think, are more likely to be the team that suddenly, you know, you find halfway through the season a mid table potentially looking good. Because to me, this year, I see Burnley in big trouble this season you know but yeah I'd, I'd say definitely Brighton I can't see see a happy ending for them but Huddersfield I think they might surprise a few this year I'm going to say that uh, Newcastle I completely agree with the other chaps I just see them doing well the Benitez effect will uh, keep them steaming on and probably a comfortable mid-table finish to just to get them adjusted to the league again and as they go into the season after next, um, they'll buy bigger and better and become an established team again. Brighton, I, there's something about them. I, I think they'll be a welcome addition to the league. They'll bring something. Uh, supporters will enjoy going to Brighton Hove Albion away, um, especially in the summertime, be it the, the as the season starts at the end. And I like Calton. Uh, as Peter said, he knows how to get his sides organised. Um, people want to play for him. And, um, yeah, I, I see them doing well. And Huddersfield... A complete opposite to Carl. I see them dropping like a stone, um, and quite happy to see him go because I don't want the league to have another Wigan Athletic. Well, this is the thing. It's it's a funny situation this season because in the last couple of years, sides that have come up from the Championship have always had that safety net that 
Sunderland being as shit as they are, there's a chance that they'll be down there, and, you know. <laughs> Uh, they just they just don't have that this season, you know. So uh, Newcastle, they're probably going to be safe. I think most people assume that. I think the other two's two might struggle, and then Burnley. I think. Uh, well, we'll come to the uh, our predictions for the bottom three in a little bit. Uh, right. So we'll uh, skip quickly uh, onto those and go through some just a couple of other points that uh, uh, from mainly the top six or top seven. Maybe um, we spoke about Arsenal a little while ago and the deal that they did uh, for Lacazette, and maybe uh, Sanchez maybe staying. Uh, that'll be a big. That'll be huge for them, really. But what would be a good season for Arsenal this year? Top, top four, four again. Yeah, definitely. If Sanchez stays then you can't write Arsenal off pushing flat top four again, I think. But if Sanchez goes, then I'll see them them struggling. Sanchez stays, Lacazette scores goals. Ozil finds form. They've got enough about them to, to really, if truth be told, they could push for a title. I don't think they're good enough to win for a title. I think Arsenal fans would probably be in their overprivileged moment at the top four finish, especially after finishing outside it. But I think top four would be a good season for them. But it all depends on whether they can keep Sanchez or not. Yeah, the, the only thing is they have that Thursday night thing hanging over them as well now, which could <laughs> could, could count against them. Yeah, I think Arsenal fans are weird, a weird bunch now at this stage. A lot of them almost, they're so invested in the whole Wenger out thing that you get the feeling they don't want him to do well sometimes just so he'll do one. Like, well, I was just going to ask, uh, do you think, given that he has signed a new deal and that they won the FA Cup last year, do you think that we're going to get the whole Arsenal fan TV hashtag Wenger out, planes over the stadium? Sure, they, they went 2-0 down against Chelsea in a pre-season friendly and it was trending on Twitter already, Wenger yeah, out. Yeah, that's a joke though, surely. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, it no, wouldn't surprise no, 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 me, no, no, man. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, I saw the man DT create a video when he was having a moan he's not looking forward to the season because they lost a pre-season friendly I can't believe um, that they'll put themselves on social media to be ridiculed like that just because they lost a pre-season friendly it is a case of Arsenal support was the most overprivileged support base in in England without a shadow of a doubt they have full of self-importance and yet they've been successful for since Wenger arrived if you was to finish in the top four every season with a couple of FA Cups a couple of league uh, Premier League trophies and a Champions League final in your back pocket most clubs would be happy with that but no they uh, I don't think they realise what they've got Do you think that maybe that they've just sort of They've almost gone too far, you know. They've just they don't they don't they they've pushed this Wenger out Arsenal fan TV, uh, screaming in screaming down a camera, pushed it so far that now they they can't go back. I mean, it's almost their it's probably some of their jobs now, you know. I mean, it's they they make a living. Out of, of course, this. they make so, money from Arsenal losing. Like exactly. you, get, you get paid per hit on YouTube. That boy, that boy, what the the lad, the yeah. Robbie, is it? Yeah. He. Um, yeah, he he's making money when Arsenal lose. Basically, that's when people are going to. That's why when even neutrals go out, go on to Arsenal TV. And Absolutely, have a bit of a when, laugh, Ars- so. when Arsenal lost last season, I think everybody went. God, I can't wait for Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> but I, I think Arsenal fans though celebrate when they lose, other than Robbie because he's thinking my bank account's getting larger. Yeah, come on, buy Munich, stick five past us. We're going to get ten million views here. Well, this is it. So I wonder, is he just pushing his own agenda rather than actually, you know, having any interest in the welfare of the club? If any Arsenal fan was smart, they wouldn't even appear on that because they are yeah. putting money into his back pocket and the rest of the football community are laughing at them. But obviously for, for non-Arsenal fans, long might continue. <laughs> they, they, the only thing is about Arsenal, like you were saying earlier, if Lacazette scores goals, you see, I, I'd say they, they would have a chance at the top four now because the thing with Arsenal is they'll always put away the teams outside the top six, seven, yeah. with, with minimum of fuss most of the time. Um, but obviously their big problem is, and I know... 
Arsenal fans, it is a bit ridiculous, some of the carry-on, but Wenger has made a lot of glaring mistakes over the last few years where like your your grandmother can see that they're missing a ball winner in the middle of the park or, or things like that, and they're just generally not having enough steel about them. So, oh, you're saying that? The lack, that, that Zaka, no, Zaka yeah. Yeah, but there's a difference between having steel and just like getting sent off for two full of lunges, like you know what I mean. There, there is a well, I suppose in the back in the day when Keane and Vieira did it, we all thought it was great. Like now we get slated, but he doesn't look great. He doesn't seem to have the legs for the Premier League to move around as much as as you'd need, I think, these days. Athletically, like, um, well, when you consider he was 30 million and when Yama was 12, mm-hmm. I mean, he wouldn't even worry when Yama in his sleep, let alone actually in a in a game of football uh, and and that's i think arsenal fans though, have probably reached that point and this could be a worry for spurs fans again is i think they were sold this dream weren't they about once they get this new stadium oh we'll go on even further and actually they've gone backwards in this new stadium they're paying big money for season tickets and i think they've actually now like you've sold us this dream and we're now we've gone backwards and teams like Spurs and Everton are potentially catching us. Yet we were meant to be, we're going to push on and Champions Leagues were coming. And it's just crazy, isn't it? The, I and think, I think that's why they're so upset. They they feel they've been sold down the river slightly. Supporters have definitely been sold down the river the stupid money they paid to sit there and watch it. But the, the club aren't ambitious enough to, to carry that expectation of their supporters. I did say they're overprivileged because no club's got any divine right uh, or any support base to think their club's got a divine right to sweep up trophies each year. But at the same time, Arsenal are still one of the biggest clubs in the country and they should also be tra- challenging for absolutely everything each season. And the fact that uh, it is true that Wenger's time should have probably come up a little while ago, that he should also be heralded as the institution that he is separately from Arsenal FC and that he brought the, the greatest area of success that our club's ever had. So it's a it's a it's a bit of a quagmire they find themselves in the supporters, but their complete lack of respect for someone like Wenger is unbelievable. So what do we reckon? Is Wenger gonna stick out the entire season? Say he gets top four. Does he walk at the end of the year? No, no I, I see Arsenal having one of their normal seasons. I think that Arsenal know they're the sort of side they'll get off they might get off to a flyer. But then they'll come in, they'll they'll come unstuck, and you know, as you say, the Thursday nights will take effect. And I think we'll probably be a couple of months in before we start seeing the screaming down the microphone of "Get Wenger out, blood." You get me, fam. <laughs> yeah, no, it did. No, it, it's that's inevitable. I will just that is happening. Right. I would say even after if they don't win the first game, it'll start like right. Uh, we'll put that down and money on a plane by game five, six. <laughs> yeah. Huddersfield, they'll lose their first game. The first game they'll lose, nailed on, most dead cert bit of all time, will be against Huddersfield. And then you'll get um, DT um, going bright red on the screen and Mr. Blood fam, you know, meeting, um, <laughs> losing his marbles as well. Well, we can look forward to that. Uh, going on to then United, they've done four out of four, more or less, with the worst penalty shootout of all time uh, the other day on their summer tour so far. Uh, Lukaku seems to have hit the ground running. Uh, and Rashford looks really, really good. So, uh, Peter, do you think that United are going to go with two up top? There's a lot of talk that they'll do that and play three at the back. No, I don't. I, well, yeah, three. We never mentioned that with Arsenal either. But a three at the back seems to be like the... The the thing. in yeah. vogue or whatever everybody's trying it out now like United played it near the end of the season a few times as well um, I don't think so I think he'll play the way he's always played I think he'll play Lukaku as his all Mourinho's teams have always had kind of a focal point striker so like Drogba or someone you could Costa someone you can play the ball into when people are running off him um, I think that 
he'll probably play Rashford off the right, um, I would think. But Rashford, I think, like he, even in the couple of months from from the end of last season, he's beefed up. He's yeah, yeah. He, like I, I wrote an article on the on the site the other day. I think. You know, he's at United where he would have heard the stories of the work Ronaldo put in behind the scenes to, to get, you know, in the physical shape he was and the practice. And I think he might actually be the real star of United season, forgetting Pogba, forgetting Lukaku. They'll obviously have an impact, but I think he could be the ace. He struggled a little bit last year. Second season's always hard. And, you know, when you're young, your confidence takes a dip if you don't get a goal after a few games. But I think... Um, I think Rashford could be the star, and I think United should. They really should be challenging for the league. They've they've ma- they've a really strong squad. They might not have the best start in eleven, but they've an extremely strong squad. Um, what do you make of uh, that Lindelof, the centre half you signed as well? He's been shit in preseason. Yeah, he's been woeful, and it, again, it's it's coming from the Portuguese league. It's a, it's a big step up. Like, um, I do. Yeah, he looked great in the Portuguese league. Not yeah. that I'm, I'm, ba- I'm saying he looks great in the Portuguese le- league based on an eight-minute uh, YouTube video I watched. <laughs> but y- you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, hopefully he's good. It's one of them. You just don't really know. To see. We're all as fans. It, whenever your club signs a player not from that you've seen a lot before, it's really a, it was like that with Baye last season, and he's I, I think he's been he's top class. Yeah, yeah, he looks like a bit of a madman, but he's 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 hasn't done anything too crazy yet. But he's. He's been a good find, like so. I, I think they really should be. See- uh, last season, United, if they hadn't, I think they lost less games, uh, yeah. less games than Chelsea last year in the league. Uh, you, you just took the words out of my mouth, Peter. I mean, when you look at last season, if United could have stuck the ball in the back of the net, in you know some of seven, those eight games, home games they drew. Yeah. seven eight home games, one one, it was. Yeah, I mean, they you know at one point you were the best. Form team haven't lost for however many games, and it was just it turned those draws into wins, and you would have seriously been fighting for that title last year. Yeah, and, if Mar- f- and if Lukaku now comes in and had those goals, then those few other additions make United very dangerous. The thing is, when teams play May United now, if they try to mark Lukaku out of a game, May United have got so many options and they'll probably bring Ibrahimovic back in my opinion later in the season just to have an, uh, another option but uh, Marshall, Rashford, Juan Mata, uh, Lingard's looking world class. Mikatarian. Uh, I, yeah. You know. uh, I, was being a bit sorry, I know we were trying not to laugh. But. <laughs> Has he lost his beer belly now? From the oh yeah, that was shoot. quality wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it may not have got options and they can be dangerous so it, for any club playing them it could be a dangerous game to try and focus too much on Lukaku who's going to score goals regardless of what they do um, and I think they're in for a really really good season personally so uh, so is it title or at least uh, pushing it close or or what say they finish in the top four they scrape in top four again would Jose's job still be safe do you think in that regard uh, uh, no, but I think for, I, I don't think they'll be in that position. I think they're going to finish second, really pushing um, uh, the, the, the team at the top to the title um, with the a really good opportunity of winning it. It's all dependent. A couple of results will separate uh, May night from winning the title next season, um, and you expect them to go a hell of a lot better than they did last season. Man United, with everything that they've got going for them at the moment, and the additions of Lukaku, it, it could be a return to the top for them. Well, let's talk about uh, that team that they'll be challenging then, because it's, I guess most people think it's either one of Chelsea or City. Chelsea for me. Absolutely. I, I, I'm already earmarking them as league champions. Um, 
they're a really good side. They've got strength in depth. Um, they, 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 they seem to play for their manager. They've got a system that works. Um, they've, they've, they've brought in additions that uh, uh, Murata, etc. They, they, I, I, they're not. They haven't lost anyone, and they've gained players. And you, you just can't look past them. The, the, the difference being for me is that they're going to be juggling the Champions League. The, and the Premier League plus a few of the uh, domestic cup competitions along the way but they're such a strong side and they play such good football that yeah they're, they're going to be league champions for me It's the funny thing though isn't it over the last couple of seasons we've seen teams that haven't had to compete in the Champions League have done well or they've they've kind of you know they've they've gone on runs in the league do you think that they'll be able to keep that going on two fronts and actually maybe they'll lose Costa as well won't they? a lot of it has got to do I think over the last few seasons is the teams who get their business done early as well has a big and I think they've all struggled to get the business they want done as early as, as they wanted this time around but I, I, I agree with you Ch- Chelsea will definitely dare, be there thereabouts but Costa's a massive loss um, he's a one man wrecking ball up, up, up top um, by himself and I don't think Morada is there yet so that will be a loss <laughs> But it's pretty. It's a bit disrespectful. Like I'm just looking at the odds. Chelsea are third favourites. City are favourites. Then United and then Chelsea. Really? Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea walked that league last year. Okay. Spurs were trying to catch them, but realistically, they they were. A, I know people said, "Oh, Spurs played the best football." Forget about it. Winning football is the only one that counts. And Chelsea were mm-hmm. brilliant last year. I think Conte was the best manager because he did the best with the players he had. City. Uh, Mar- Guardiola and, and Mourinho seemed to go, we need to sign more players pretty much straight away when it wasn't going their way. He, he turned Victor Moses into a world-class, <laughs> uh, world-class right back or whatever, or wing back. Um, and they still have Kante, they still have Hazard. So to say they're third favourites, having walked the league last year is a bit, it's a strange one really. Like they'll definitely be there, thereabouts. Well, City, as you said, they're uh, the top favourites. They were, They've pretty much been the big spenders this summer, bringing in loads of fullbacks and a new keeper, which is basically what they had to do. And they've got Bernardo Silva, Bernardo Silva going forward, and Jesus as well, or Jesus getting his first full season. I mean, he was fantastic when he came in. It's it is like the cliche says, almost like a like a new signing. But if they don't win the league, you'd have to think that Pep's got to go. Yeah, see, City are, City are strange, aren't they? It reminds me of Spurs under Jerry um, Oziardiles when it was like we're going to bring in this wonderful front five. But at the back, we're shocking. And that's a still question mark over City, isn't it? Going forward, they'll destroy anyone. If those players click, then their front attacking options are just unbelievable. But have they brought anyone yet who's going to solid them up defensively? You know, question marks over Stones still there. Walker again, you know, great going forward with his pace. But again, gets caught, can get caught out defensively. Mendy... We don't really see enough of him to tell you exactly what he's like, but from what we saw with Monaco, he likes to get forward and bomb on with pace. And again, you wonder whether City will be great going forward, but still susceptible at the back to you know losing games that they shouldn't have done because when those front players don't spark defensively, they're they're not strong enough. Well, we saw the the new keeper. Uh, what's his name? Ederson. Ederson. Yeah. Uh, he struggled obviously when he Trapped one. trying to uh, trying to play sweeper keeper against United in that preseason friendly. So uh, maybe they've got another howler. That's only because I wrote an article about him the day before uh, bigging him up. So of course he, he, <laughs> went, he went out he went out that night and dropped a clanger. But you wouldn't know. I was just I was saying to Sam uh, b- before we came on like uh, you wouldn't know a Guardiola. He might play Walker centre mid like so. 
like you just, you, God knows what he's going to do but like one thing's for sure like this whole thing of him being the messiah and coaches or whatever he was at Barcelona had the best generation players ever yeah. went to Bayern I could have won the league with that Bayern team um, he's he, a he didn't do anything with the Champions League he's not a fraud I wouldn't go that far he, he definitely <laughs> definitely knows his stuff like but what's he done he spent over 200 million already like uh, this he spent 200 million last year close to he'll probably spend up I'd say he'll half end up spending five half a billion over two seasons so if the supposed greatest football manager in the world can't win the league after spending half a billion then he, I'd say he'd have, he'd have to go, wouldn't he? Well, I think the most pressure, more pressure than any other manager in the league is on Pep because, I mean, everybody else who is not a City fan just rejoices the minute that they lose. Uh, and it's all, you know, Pep Fraudiola, uh, Pep out, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then, as you said, after all that money, after all the, the outlay and all the expectation, if they don't win the league, he's, he, I think he's gone. Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah, he'll it, it, be gone. City are not a club that are going to mess around, are they? With the money they're spending... It's, you'll get a couple of seasons, but if you spend big and don't deliver, you'll, you'll go, simple as that, and we'll get the next coach who, who you can't deliver. You can't spend the amounts of money that Man City are and not deliver on the, the, the money they're pushing out. Not only that, it's a case of he seems to have won the lottery twice, um, been the luckiest manager in the world with the clubs that he's managed before Manchester City. He'd won it a third time, but then it's a different... Uh, way of playing in the Premier League it's the pace the tactics and the tick attack of football that we're all used to from a Pep Guardiola side don't necessarily work in England and uh, maybe it's a lack of understanding on his part and how this league works that he feels that he needs to play a particular system that uh, has brought him success in the past which just isn't compatible with Premier League football and you could say maybe that's Premier League football being kick rush and physical um, or that he's just not showing the respect it deserves and that's why he won't survive and why Manchester City probably won't win the league, in my opinion at least. Peter? Yeah, do you know, there's, a, there's something funny. I was trying to work it out last season as well. You know we all say about... So you know the, the Bravo thing, playing out from the back and all, it obviously didn't really work in the, in the Premier League. You remember the Leicester game, they got smashed 4-1 or something and Leicester just went after Bravo. Um, and we all say about, oh, it doesn't work in England, say, for example, but... In reality, most of the players playing for the big teams aren't actually English. So we talk about the English style of football or whatever, but in reality, there's not that many English players. So I think that sometimes it almost comes from the crowd because like, if you watch a game in Spain or Germany, when they pass it back to the goalkeeper, the fans don't react. They just expect it to be passed back out. Whereas when it gets back, passed back to the goalkeeper in England, the crowd's on his back straight away. And that creates the tension and nearly makes the striker go for him. So I, I've often thought it's funny because we all talk about the English style of play, but there's not that many English players playing in the league. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you so are, you the crowd must the have there. an impact. Like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think you might have hit the nail on the head there. Um, and then it's a, a lack of understanding of the culture of the game in any of its forms at that point. And until that's nailed in, we'll... It would just he's he casting a, a rod for his own back because he's not setting up his team and his players mentally as well as the physical challenges in front of him to to get over that line to to be um, challenging Manchester United and, and and Chelsea. So and until they reach that point, Man City will either be the nearly men or they could potentially find themselves on the periphery of drop, dropping out of that top four. What about Spurs then? Um, as we were talking, you know, as we mentioned a little while ago, a lot of people said they were the best footballing side in the year in the in the league last year. But can they maintain that? Can they go on better? Will they challenge? I know we've said that it'll be possibly United second, and then with 
City, Chelsea, you know, the, that'll be the top three is kind of what we're kind of coming to. Are Spurs going to drop out? Will they stay in the top four? Can they go on better? Is Wembley going to have that big an effect? Cole, can I you ask that, this? I'm sitting here with Glee at the moment, so you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like, as we said, 11 for 11. And as much as Wembley, Wembley could be a factor, I still think week in, week out, when we play the kind of lesser teams that we are too strong for, we will beat them at Wembley, you know, that, that won't come into question for me. I'm not too worried about the Wembley effect long term, but it's whether over that course of the season we can keep that first 11 on the pitch, fresh, fit, able to press the way Potts wants them to. But I still think we'll be challenging for like third or second this season. Okay. Uh, Scott, do you want to add anything to that? I think you're just, you probably have pages of notes. I've got a big smile slapped across my face. <laughs> I couldn't disagree more. I, I, I agree they were the best football inside last year to watch. They were absolutely fantastic. And as, as much as it hurts to say, you could sit there and watch a Spurs game and go, wow, that was some good football, um, especially the 1-0 at the London Stadium. But um, they don't have the depth for me. Uh, one or two injuries to key players, we'll see them tumble down the down the league and certainly won't be challenging for a second or third place. You say that, but then last season we had quite a few big injuries. You know, Kane was out for 14 weeks. Danny Rose was out for five weeks and the end of the season. Toby, um, sorry, Toby missed quite a few games. Um, Vertonghen was out. And we managed to cope with those. I, I understand, I, do, I agree with you. The depth isn't there potentially to get away with it maybe a second time. But not just that last season with those not just that injuries. because with Spurs haven't as yet at least brought anyone that can really change their team. The the bigger clubs around you have got stronger, they've got better, and as a result that'll impact Spurs. And but we for thought me, that again last season. You know, once we'd finished there again it was like, well, everyone's improved, Spurs probably won't push. I, I think we'll surprise you again. No, see, I'm looking at because there's a big change going on with Tottenham at the moment, and it includes that stadium move, and that will play a part and a role. And it's it's a whole new atmosphere that Spurs are going to be playing in front of. There's so many factors in saying that, for me at least, it, Spurs have got more against them this season than they had last season. I, uh, I, if I was a neutral football fan, I'd be rooting for Spurs all the way, wanting them to continue on that push. Um, when I put my claret and blue specs on, I couldn't. Op- hope for the complete opposite um but just being a football fan as well uh, i'm just being for me at least a bit more realistic and i just can't see him holding that up with so many good signs in the division it's going to be a toss-up between arsenal spurs and liverpool for me if they who gets that top four and that will be a close run thing for me well finally we'll go to merseyside and uh, we'll well liverpool and everton let's say liverpool first Uh, They still look a better side than they did before Klopp took over and the fans like him. He's very charming. He's good in the media. But should they miss out in the top four again or maybe even the top six, how long do Liverpool fans stay patient with this kind of regime and do they keep going with it? He got the top four last year anyway, to to be fair. Um, But they made hard, you know, they went from challenging for the league in in January to barely getting the top four. he a bit like Spurs, strong start eleven, starting eleven. Not out. Robertson's a decent signing mm-hmm. as the left back. Um, Salah. Salah, yeah. If you had Mane, Mane and Salah on each side there, and, and they got, I suppose they got Solanke. Though people forget that kid from Chelsea. He's another. Mm-hmm. He, he could he could be a kind of impact sub or Coutinho something. Coutinho could be going out though. Could, if they lose Coutinho, they're in trouble because he's the difference maker a lot of the time. Like um, although they really they miss Mane uh, yeah. more than anything last year. 
Yeah, to be fair, I think Klopp's done a, done a, a decent enough job. I was slagging him at the start of the show, but the, I think he's done a decent enough job. And but I I think they will. Just looking at the the money the other people are are spending at the moment, it will be hard to keep Coutinho if Barcelona are waving eighty billion quid at you and. You know, he didn't grow up wanting to play for Liverpool. <coughs> so, you know, he'll probably end up going to Barcelona. That that will be a big dent for them. The Champions League, that's where, where Spurs and, and uh, Liverpool playing Champions League with only probably 13, 14 really good players. That's got to be tough. Um, if, you, if they go deep in, in the Champions League, either of them, it'll more than likely affect their league form. Neither of them will probably win it but it would probably cause them to suffer in the Champions League. So, yeah, it, it's, going to be, it's going to be tight, but if I had to pick one, I would probably put Spurs in there ahead of Liverpool. I think Liverpool might just fall out of there. City, yeah, there, there's just so much, so much money being spent by the other clubs. Guys, anything to add to that? Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Spot on. What about Everton then? Are they going to uh, make a run on the top six? We kind of touched on that a little bit earlier. The best of the rest, isn't it? Yeah, Still. you can't can't work it out. I mean, Pickford I like. I think that was a good signing. He looked a really good goalkeeper. But then again, is is he a good goalkeeper because he was so busy? Yeah, and then all the, the day, don't they? You know, the when he doesn't have so much to do and he he switches off maybe. But I still think that might have been a good signing. But yeah, I think best of the rest, potentially you know, six around that mark. Well, we've kind of danced around it the whole way through the show. Let's get uh, some predictions. I know we're still, uh, I think, 16 days off. Uh, off the start of the season top four and bottom three Peter do you want to go first yeah now it can all change when we you know go on to Sky Sports News oh yeah, yeah. now in a couple of minutes <laughs> but it's a bit, it is a bit early but I would say okay top four top six did you say uh, top four and bottom three top four bottom three okay in no particular order top four I'll go no in a particular order in a particular order yeah. Man- Manchester United Man City Chelsea Spurs bottom Bottom three, I will go for... You can go no particular order in that one. No particular, thanks, Sam. Um, You're welcome. I will go for Huddersfield. I will go for Brighton. And I'll go for Burnley. And this is going to sound really unpatriotic, but they have too many Irish players, Burnley. Oh, yeah, this is your pet There's, theory. I don't know this, if anyone this, else has this, heard this. this. Is, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But. This, this is, no, I'm serious. This is my theory that the team with the most Irish players has got relegated for the last five or six years in the Premier League. <laughs> same, I don't know if the stats to back the that Irish up. team that did well in the Euros, but, you know. Yeah, but you see, they're all just workers. And yeah, it, you they're know, better than they, some of their parts. They're, yeah, they're a team, like, and it just seems that the... Like when I was growing up, we were, we had players playing for Liverpool, for for United in you say the old top four, and now it's the kind of bottom four where most of our players are. And, the, and the apart from Robbie Brady, Wes Hulhan, there's not, and they got relegated a couple of years ago as well. There's not really any footballers, you know what I mean? They're workers. Johnny, Jonathan Walters, for example. Yeah, you need one. You need one or two of them in your team, but you don't need five of them. Burnley have five <laughs> Irish players now. Do you There's ever not feel sorry for Scotland by any chance? No, never. No, absolutely never. Absolutely <laughs> never. <laughs> I have many worries in my life, but that is not one of them. All right, Scott. What about you? Top four, bottom three. Uh, top four for me will be um, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, and it's a tough one. Um, I'm slightly contradicting myself here. I'm going to pick Arsenal but just to pip it over Spurs. Um, bottom three, I will go for Huddersfield, Burnley, and the outsider of this one, Crystal Palace. Ooh. Ooh. Like it. Carl, what have you got? So I think I'm going to have Man United, 
Chelsea. Is bottom three or, or... <laughs> <laughs> United champions. Oh wow. Um, Chelsea runners up. City third. Spurs fourth. And then I'm going to go for Brighton, Burnley, and Watford. I'm going to throw in there this mm. year. Hmm. Watford's not a bad shout, actually. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to go. Oh, I want to say United are going to win it. I think. Actually, I think that they will. Yeah. And I'm going to go Chelsea second, City third. I'm going to go Spurs fourth with Arsenal missing out again. And I'm going to go with Burnley. Uh, Brighton, I think, will do well, but they'll ultimately end up going down and, uh, and Huddersfield. So. Yeah, I forgot what Watford were even in the Premier League. Well, they, 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 they weren't for the last six or seven games last yeah, year. Yeah. Kind of but like, well. I haven't heard anything. Have they signed a player or anything? Like, I, I, no I actually one forgot they're even in the league at the moment. <laughs> Watford, Bolton, um, Tom Cleverley, because that will keep you up. Oh, yeah. Will, will Hughes is a really good player. He's oh, been, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. That was right at the start, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Daniel Bachman, uh, Kiko Firmina, and uh, Nathaniel Chabula from Chelsea. A bit oh, of an right. unknown quantity, but... Apparently highly rated. Uh, could be a good shout with Watford, actually. Hmm. But the only thing will be is whether the manager now takes on his whole, you know, potential promise and everyone was kind of like, oh, this guy's, you know, he, he's due a big job here because he looks like he's done well with Hull. So, may, may, you know, maybe he might be their saving grace, but to me, they're down this year. Right. Well, we'll wait and see. Uh, finally, to take us to the end of the show, the moment we've all been waiting for, really, it's time for the JT Prick of the Week Award. Big round of applause as we welcome that in. Uh, right. So this is, as you probably guessed, the award for the biggest prick of the week, inspired by JT, uh, John Terry, who is a massive prick. Uh, what have we got? Any suggestions? Yeah, I'll start. Uh, I'll start, lads, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, he, I, he hasn't really done anything to upset me, but... How many people are in the world? Six, six billion. Six billion. Yeah. It seems like Kennedy's pissed off one-sixth of the world's population this week. So this? Uh, Kennedy of Chelsea. He's been oh, sent yeah. home. You see this? He wrote, fuck China on Instagram or something. And I put up a picture of a policeman sleep- sleeping and something derogatory about China. So the whole of China has taken massive offence, which is one-sixth of the population of the world. And he's been sent home. So uh, I'd say pissing off one-sixth of the population of the world would make you a bit of a prick. Jesus Christ, he learned from the best, though, to be fair. So uh, what about you guys? <laughs> well, I'm going to go for the man himself, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> having lifting up that ridiculous dro- you know, joke-size trophy that Villa won on pre-season tour. Yeah. Has anyone seen the pictures of this trophy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. there he's actually smiling old in it, you know, like he's just won the European Cup again. So I've got to go for the man himself. It. I'll go for the man himself. Okay, sorry, Carlo. I'm, I'm, I'm hope the boys will back me up on this. We're, we, we let Scott go, and then we're going to have to come back to you because that's just lazy. You can't give the JT cricket award <laughs> to John Terry. It just all makes right? It too easy. You, I don't know what you have to do. Easy. We'll be back to you in a minute. Come up with a new new prick. Okay? Scott, what have you got? Find yourself a prick. Uh, I've got uh, Andy Carroll. Who um, there's what's he done now? A big big fuck you to uh, West Ham fans. Um, because, as you know, he's still injured, apparently. We're on pre-season. He's been with a squad. Um, I assume they've been given a couple of days, but he's been in Ibiza. And there's a picture of him, which I've copied you guys into for the, for the Instagram page. Um, and it's for from a girl. Ended up, ended up being out with Andy Carroll till 9 a.m. in the morning while he's out in Ibiza. And if you look at the picture, 
and those who are listening to this look at the picture, he is absolutely slaughtered. <laughs> so that uh, 80 or 90k a week he's on, he's basically telling West Ham fans, fuck off, I don't care um, whether I'm injured for the season, um, I'm on the piss. Thank you and fuck you. Uh, I'm going to go with the people who work in communications at every club in the world who are making signings. This is a, a kind of a, a large award to all the people who are making these videos and GIFs and uh, things to go to announce signings. Yeah, uh, I'm going to yeah, give it to, to the guy, the people who did the the Aston, the guy who works at Aston Villa, who made that WhatsApp thing announcing JT. Oh, has he signed? Yeah. Oh, hi guys. Well, glad to be here, JT. Prick. <laughs> and every 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 person who's done one of those stupid fucking videos, fuck off. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I'm going to give Southampton props because I see one of theirs. I thought it was that pretty was good. That was quality, but, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Right, so. uh, can we, can we vote on that? Who? Uh, well, I, I've got the main mic, so I'm good to. Uh, oh, I'm going to give it to, to Andy Carroll. Actually, I mean the passion, the passion there, and uh, you know, I, I, we did a piece. We spoke earlier about how uh, West Ham haven't signed a decent striker in years. Um, he's played only 101 games for West Ham. Uh, in however long he's been there, I think he, I think you and everyone else deserves that he, uh, that he, and he's only scored twenty six goals in how many years? I think you and everyone else associated with, with West Ham deserves a bit more than that. So, uh, Andy Carroll, you are JT Prick of the Week. Whee! Fuck you, Andy Carroll. Fuck you, Andy. Yeah, Carroll. like if I was on <laughs> seventy grand a week, like eighty grand a week, if I was in a holiday resort like a beta, I'd say I'd just be in. I don't know, like I'd have a really good book. Um, <laughs> if you were earning so, 70 grand a so, week you'd be dead uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> alright guys thanks so much and thanks to you for listening and if you enjoyed the podcast do subscribe to us on iTunes you'll find us under PS Football and please rate and comment on the podcast as that really helps others to find us you can also listen on SoundCloud and if you want to keep up to date with all of our other football content check out psfootball.net we're on Facebook under PS Football Twitter at underscore PS underscore football and Instagram at PS Football with that's football spelled with a U like football. Uh, Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.